I don't know about you, but I get excited every time I get a chance to be in the Word because I see something new every time I open it. I've been reading God's Word. I've been a Christian since I was about 16 years old, and it never ceases to amaze me that when I delve in and I ask God to speak to me, something new pops up. But this isn't new. We've been talking the last year about three themes in our church, and they're hanging in the sanctuary so we can't forget them. One is root, grow, and extend. And today I'm going to talk to you about what it means to extend. You ask why? Well, that's because most of my job has to do with extension. Before I took this job now as the director of the Roosevelt Road Initiative, I did domestic missions. And so my job was to send you guys out to work in the field and to learn more about our missionary partners. Now the job is how do we, as family, together, you and I, stretch our hands around our own community. That's now called the Roosevelt Road Initiative. And I'm going to be developing and have developed already community partnerships that will take us into places we've never been before with our neighbors. Now let me, um, on the outset of talking about this message, say that my colleague down the hall, Eric Haskins, is preaching the sister sermon to this sermon. But his is on Martha and Mary. And he's talking about what their need was to look for the better part of Jesus as he visited with them. His sermon will remind us, if you go to hear it after you hear this one, about thinking and focusing before we jump into the hecticness of the fall events and a back to school. He also talks about keeping us from being just busy. Well, I want you to get busy, but in a different way, having focus. So let's read the scripture for today together, as it's up on the screen. Galatians 6, 6 through 10 says, anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. So folks, let us not weary in well-doing, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who are in the family of believers. And whether you realize it or not, you and I are related. We may not look anything alike, we may not talk alike, we may not walk alike, but because of Jesus' blood, as we read over and over again in our confessions earlier and in our prayers, you and I are related by blood, the blood of Christ. And I don't know about you, but in my family, we always said blood was thicker than water. So that means that that blood that binds us together, that has saved us eternally, is the way we operate with one another. So I've said a mouthful already, but let's talk about what it means to extend. So I'm gonna read that same scripture in my own words to you so that you're clear about what we're gonna talk about. It says anyone who receives instruction in the word must share or extend all good things with his instructor. Don't be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man or woman reaps what he extends or gives out. The one who extends to please his sinful nature will reap destruction from that. The one who sows to please the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. So now you understand this. 
Let us not get tired of extending ourselves, for at the right time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. In light of what you know now, as you have an opportunity, extend yourself to all people, especially those that belong to the family that I just talked about. Now let's look at some definitions of what it means to extend. And I'll just read them to you. They're not something you haven't heard before, but some of them in this context might just be a little different than you're used to. The word extend means to spread out or stretch forth, to unbend. It also means to stretch out to its fullest, to cause to move at a full stride. I don't know if you were a runner, and my daughters were. When they would sprint, I would watch their legs extend to their fullest and hope for, to God they wouldn't get a cramp in them. <laughs> to stretch out to the fullest length, to exert to full capacity, to increase the bulk of. In medieval language, extender was to take possession of something, all of it, and to take it by force. Also extending meant to aid the needy, extending their greetings, to cause to reach, to cause to be longer or to advance, to cause to be of greater volume, to make something bigger, to increase the scope or the meaning of, to broaden. Now, I'm currently living with what it means to extend in an up-close and personal way. Some of you, thankfully, have been missing me from church. Some of you didn't, and that's okay. <laughs> because I was getting a new knee, and some of you probably saw me kind of glide over across the room. That's because I'm trying to learn to walk again with this new knee. And those of you who have had this kind of surgery and who've been rehabbed know that there are two things they work on with you constantly. The first is bend, right? Therapists push and shove, and I call my therapist a uh, physical terrorist. <laughs> and they measure how much you can bend, as well as the flexibility you have when you do it. The other is extension, the total opposite mechanical move that is wrought with some discomfort, I can tell you that, where you're stretched and pulled to no end, and where adult people press their full weight on your knee to cause it to fully extend. If I didn't go through this, I'd probably be walking with a limp. I would mess up my gait and my stride and be overall probably more miserable than I was before I had the surgery. So when these folks are working on me, sometimes I just have to pray because if I open my mouth, I'm afraid of what would come out, so I pray in my head. And I say to myself, if I don't stretch and bear through the pain and discomfort, how in the world am I going to be in shape to complete the job that God has given me here at church? And that's what I think about. It's one of the reasons I did it. I've got a lot of life to live. I haven't had grandkids yet, I'm waiting. I haven't had a wedding yet, I'm waiting. And I got stuff to do here at church, and if I can't walk, I can't do it. So then I say, I thank you, God, that you've given me something to look forward to in serving you. So I bear the stretching to my fullest length and watch them measure the progress. I'm always better for it when they finish. Now, in our lives as a community of believers, as family, as we talked about before, there are some essential truths that we must understand that I hope you take away from here so that we can extend ourselves without fear. The one thing, and the slide will show you this, is that we are destined to stir, folks. We were not saved, set down in the pew, and twiddling our thumbs and waiting for Jesus to come back. That is not why he saved us. He said he had something to do 
for us to do before the foundations of the earth. And it says so in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. It says, for it was by grace that you were saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can brag about it or boast. For we are God's handy work. Handy work. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. Then it goes on in Ephesians 2 and 9, it says, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens, God's people, and also members of his household, as we talked before. So I thought, what does this mean? I mean, okay, God wants me to do something. I taught Sunday school for years. I did, you know, I did a lot of things over the time of being a Christian. But my passion has been to see people live life better. Sometimes, even as I'm walking through the hallways here, I can see on the faces of us, sometimes something else is going on, and we're just hanging on to get here on Sundays, just to get a word, just to be inspired, just to be loved on, just to be hugged sometimes, just to get a donut and some coffee with someone else and share what's been going on. But we're not foreigners. When we come here, we're family. So when I see you, I go, hey, or I kiss somebody or I hug somebody because you're my family and I love to see you. Now I got some family members I could see once or twice a year and be okay with that. <laughs> but I see you every Sunday. I also pass people in my neighborhood every day. What would that look like if I greeted them the same way? If I loved on them the same way? Well, I was reminded last week as I was at a retreat, a childhood friend was preaching at that my steps are remarkably ordered by the Lord. I forget that sometimes. Sometimes I think I'm just going in my own way or my bosses are telling me what to do. But I realize that nothing touches me that doesn't touch God's hands first. And I'll repeat that later on. Chuck Swindoll said that. I remember being in one of my darkest days and I heard him on the radio say, nothing touches you. And I almost heard God's voice say, Felicia, it doesn't touch me first. So I've got work for you to do. I've got work for you to extend yourself in, to give yourself fully to, to stretch out, to do with full force. The next thing to remember in extending ourselves is that we have license. License eliminates fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. Isaiah 11.2 says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, that's us, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding will come to us, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. So let me tell you what it means when you know that you got the stuff, <laughs> that I've got license to do something. I'm going to tell you two stories. My husband always tells it. In his building lived the brother of the girl who used to date Sam Cooke. Now, those of you who don't know who Sam Cooke is, I'm going to tell you, he wrote a song, You Send Me, Twisting the Night Away, all those kinds of songs. But this boy would brag, brag, brag that he was the brother of the girl who used to <laughs> date Sam Cooke. So that gave him license. So people would go, okay, tell us about Sam. Can you take this to his house? 
but it gave him license, it gave him position. I had the opportunity back in 2004 to travel to Africa, and I went to see the dredges of the Rwandan genocide after 10 years and film a film with a friend. And then later on, I went over to Uganda. And for the first time in my life, I was with a real big dignitary. Now, I worked for mayor's office for years ago when Mayor Daly, the old Mayor Daly, was in office, but this was a big deal. We flew from Jerry, Rwanda, sad and crying, to Uganda, and there was a motorcade, and they took our passports, and they rolled out a blue carpet, and then I got kind of uppity. I leaned back and said, I'm with royalty. Every place we moved, there were armed guards who all looked like Denzel Washington and Blair Underwood <laughs> with fatigues on, and my young daughter was with me, so she was real happy about that. We got the best food. We went someplace in near Lake Victoria and went on safari the next morning. And I looked at myself and said, what is a little girl from Inglewood doing with the first lady of a country sticking out of a Mercedes-Benz Jeep on safari? Looking for lions as they pray in the morning. But being with her, knowing her, and she treated us like family, gave me license to get kind of stuffy for a second. And I've never forgotten that because I knew what it felt like to be with someone who had ruled, and then we met her husband later, and she told us what he was, you know, just my, took my daughter for about 48 hours, I was a little scared, but took her and told her who she was as an African-American woman, and who God had created her to be. Changed her life completely, that one trip. So that gave us presence to say, yes, I've been in a motorcade, and yes, I've flown on a helicopter, and yes, I've, you know, those kind of things. And it makes me bold because, I could probably call Mrs. Museveni and she'd say, hey, hey, Dr. Thompson. She called me Professor Thompson. She would know exactly who I was. Just as proud as that boy whose sister used to date Sam Cooke. We know the King of Kings. We know the Lord of Lords. We're grafted into the family by his blood. There's nothing to fear. I know sometimes life is overwhelming as you watch the news and I watch the news and we see what's going on in countries and right outside in our own communities and right in our own houses sometimes. We forget who we belong to. We forget who to call on. We forget the gravity that the Holy Spirit weighs in our lives and how he expresses himself to us. Because if we thought about that, I don't know about you, I might get a little uppity too. The Spirit of God lives in me. Therefore, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So when I look at the task ahead of me to extend myself and to get ready to help you extend yourselves outside Christ Church, instead of getting nervous, I get excited. I get excited to see what God is going to do through us. How many people will he bring into God's family because we extended ourselves? The Spirit of the Lord, the scripture says, will rest upon us. He'll give us knowledge. So when I don't know what to plan, he'll tell me what to plan. When I don't know what to do, when I'm fearful, he'll say, don't fear, Felicia. Nothing touches us at first doesn't touch God's hand. So that means that what we touch is valuable and it gives life, it brings life to other people. Finally, freedom from fear equals power. So when I wasn't afraid anymore, and I had Denzel and Blair Underwood on both sides of me with big guns, 
And I got off the, I got off the, the helicopter off the steps that were in blue carpeting. I was kind of like not scared of nothing. I could say, when they ask, who are you? I'm with the first lady. I'm with her. And when I walked into the hotel, they said, oh, are you with the first lady? We, oh, we need to change your rooms really quickly. And I got to the night call down, I said, my daughter and I said, let's, let's see if we can get room service for free. Let's see, what we, let's see what this relationship gets us, you know? And we didn't abuse it, of course, but it was fun just for once being a dignitary. For freedom from fear gives us power. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but power, folks. So in this room, if I could see the power, the kinetic activity going on in you, let's say that God shined a light on us, and I could see some of you would be, others of you would be twinkle, 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 twinkle. Some of you would be, until we ask God to restore us and give us power to do the work that he's given us. Exodus 9, 16 says, I have raised you up. He's talking to us. He's talking to the people in the Old Testament at that point. For this very purpose, Moses, that I may show you my power, children of Israel, children of Christ church, and that my name might be proclaimed to all the earth. How do you think people get to know about Jesus? They don't open a Bible. They don't open a book by Chuck Swindoll or Lucy Swindoll or Billy Graham sometimes. They might thumb through the stations and watch the evangelists, and probably if I watched those, I don't, wouldn't necessarily be interested in Jesus myself, but they watch you. They watch us. They watch what happens when Hurricane Harvey comes. They watch the church mobilize. They watch what happens when Charlottesville's happen. They watch what happens in our world where people are senselessly murdered and police are attacked as well. What does the church do? Guys, we have an opportunity to extend ourselves every single day around Christ's church. Then Ephesians 3, 7 says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me, working through his power. So if we try to do it ourselves, we try to come up with something, I don't know about you, if I do something in my own strength, it's like opening a jar of pickles. I will screw, 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 and then I'll give it to my husband, he goes pop. Now I always tell him, I got that ready for you. But if I'd given it to him the first time, he'd have popped it right open. It's a different kind of power, right? It's a power that comes alongside of you to aid you. A power that we act in every morning. I don't get on the expressway. I don't leave my house without first asking God, I don't know what's going to happen today, God, but in your strength, protect me, give me wisdom, give me the right words to say. Put somebody in my path that needs to hear about you. Pray the same thing, family, because the only way to stop what's going on in this country we may have armed guards all day long, but until people know about Jesus and his resurrecting power and the ability to live a holy life in him, it's going to get worse before it gets better. We are his handy, we're right here, work created in Christ Jesus before the foundations of the earth to do the work that he's given us to do. So the state of our union 
in America, if we looked at it, it would be hopeless. You'd be wondering, what are my kids going to do? I don't think I want to have kids in a world like this. I'm nervous about this. Or, man, I'm, I think I'm so glad I raised my children already. I don't know if I want to do it now. But what would I have to fear? The same God who was doing what he did 10 years ago or 16 years ago when 9-11 happened or when Hurricane Katrina happened is still on the throne, folks. Instead of someone who worries about the state of the union, the state of our cities, the state of the neighborhoods right away, become someone who extends yourself. Everybody can't go to Harvey, Texas. Everybody doesn't want to. Everybody's gift is not that. But you can go two blocks away and teach English as a second language class. You can extend yourself by just, you know, it, it's so interesting. Um, I was taught to look people in the eye and to speak to them. What that does for people sometimes when you catch their eye and you nod or you say good morning or you sit at a place, I've made it a point sometimes, in Starbucks, you can't ever find a seat by yourself. So I have to sit with people all the time. Marvelous things happen when I sit with somebody. Sometimes I'll say, can you come to church on Sunday? And I'll wait by that door and sometimes people show up. What do you need? Maybe we can help you. So we're to root, we're to grow, but we're then to extend ourselves. For we have been and will always be the church. The reflection of God's love to each other and you know, when I was a kid, my mother, as I would wrestle with my brothers and sisters, sometimes pop them upside the head, my mother would say, stop it, charity begins at home. And I was like, charity what? Love begins at home. Kindness begins at home. And sometimes Christians can be the most honorary folks to each other. Just go out in the parking lot. <laughs> See what happens. But if we can begin to love and practice on each other, practice forgiveness with one another, practice loving each other, practice just hugging one another, it gets easier because you take it out the door with you, at least I do. It seems to me that Paul, in his instruction to the Church of Galatian, was saying, be good to each other. They must have been fighting. Somebody wanted to do something. No, I don't want to do that. You don't have the qualifications to do that. Only Paul can do that. Charity begins at home. And this holds true with us, too, as God's family. We've been reminded in summer lights these past weeks that God is in control, so we don't have to worry. You know, we have to worry about what's going on in Washington. But we can change it. We can pray. We can do what we can do in our little part of the world to change the world. We're always, as the song says, waiting on the world to change. Well, how about we be the change agents? Now let's look at the first slide, where it says anyone who receives this instruction must first share good news with his instructor. And then it goes on to say, don't be deceived, for God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you'll also reap. So if you're not sowing anything, guess what you're not going to reap? My little brother, we used to um, plant beans. If you were a teacher in school, you always had a little cup, you put your little... Um, dirt in the cup and you put your beans in there. Now we would come home and we try to plant that because my dad always had a really nice garden. And my brother's beans didn't come up. And we finally said, I wonder why your beans aren't coming up. He said, oh, it's because they're not in the ground. I said, what'd you do with them? I threw them at somebody. So his plot was empty because he didn't sow anything. He couldn't reap anything. 
we had to share with them whatever came off of our bean plants, but that's true in life. If you don't put anything in, nothing's coming out, folks. In light of my destiny, I'm to extend myself when I don't understand. I may not understand why God is calling me to tutor some kids after school. I don't want to be bothered with kids. My kids are grown. I don't have grandkids. Maybe I need to be the grandma they need to see. Maybe I need to be different than mom or dad. Maybe I need to do something different in their lives just by speaking a kind word. So my destiny says I got to serve. Then I'm to use my license or influence given to me on the behalf of others to access power without fear. One of the fun things about doing the Roosevelt Road Initiative is I just walk right into city halls. I just walk right into any, any and if you'd, asked, if you'd have thought I was this kind of kid, I was very shy, very quiet. Now I walk in expecting God to make them say yes. And most of the time, they do. They're so intrigued that Christ Church of Oak Brook this big, pretty church with the wonderful cars in the lot is doing down, dirty, gritty work with people in the neighborhood. And they can't believe it, so God makes them say yes to everything I ask them so far. And when he says yes, he's saying it so that our family has the joy of being engaged in service, exuding influence and power. Some of you have influence that you can't believe that you would have in a kid's life in high school because you sat with him. You teach him work ethic. You teach him how to get places on time. You teach him how to knit. Or, no, when someone pushes you, that's abuse. Your presence means a lot in the world, and you have influence. We all have influence. And then, since we've found freedom from fear, we have the power to do good to all, especially to each other within Christ's church and eight blocks away. I encourage you, as these scriptures have, to, un to understand that much like the disciples, we are charged to turn the world upside down, guys. It wasn't just their job in the early church. He said to the ones who were left behind, I will give you power, you do greater things than this. And we've yet to see it yet because we haven't gotten out there. We've done wonderful work so far, but God has given us more to do. God expects you and me to be an extension of himself to a world and instruments of change. Let's close in prayer. God, thank you that you saved us. Thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit to guide us. Thank you that you've given us power and work to do, Lord, and the power within which to do it and the places to do it, God. Help us not to be lax. Help us to sow good fruit so that you will reap the harvest. But you said some plant, some water, and some get to see the increase in you, Jesus Christ. We thank you. Thank you, God, for this neighborhood that we're in, for the people we live next door to, for the people we work alongside of. Help us to be mouthpieces. Make us instruments of peace. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen.